Let's give the Lord some praise. He is worthy. Amen. Andreas, come on up. Look, guys, we just want to welcome you tonight. Turn to somebody next to you and say, we're welcome. Find somebody around. Point at them. Say, we're glad you're here tonight. Got a special, special guest tonight. Andreas is going to come and he's going to share the words. Let's give him, not, he's, he's from Australia, so let's give him a warm Woodward America welcome. Woo! Thank you. Thank you very much. If Erica could come up also, thank you. Okay. What an honor and privilege it is. My support. Um, yeah, it's such an honor and privilege to be here at Woodward Fellowship. It's my first time speaking here, so yay. Um, yeah, I just want to say you guys are so blessed in this house. And I just really wanted to honor the leaders of this house, Eric and Shelley. Every time I come here, I just get blessed and minister to And You guys have such a unique flavor. And I just want to bless that over you guys. That You guys know how to love really well. And I just get ministered to so dramatically when I come here by the love that you guys pour out and the way that you guys love each other and love God really well. So I just wanted to encourage you guys with that. Okay, cool. Okay. So, tonight I wanted to talk to you guys about stewardship. This is like my favorite topic of all time. This is like my thing. I just live on stewardship. Um, so, if we can just open up to Matthew 25. And we'll start at verse 14. Okay. And it says, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. And I just want to stop there for two seconds. And it's, isn't it amazing that God gives us what, he knows what we can handle, and so he gives us just the right amount of things. that He sets us up for success. He never gives us too much where he knows we're going to fail. And so, as we see here in, these, in um, this parable, he gave each... It says that each according to his own ability. Therefore, God knew what they were able to handle. It says, immediately the one who received five talents went out and traded with them and gained five more. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. But the one who received one talent went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master master of those slaves came and settled the accounts with them. The one who had received five talents came up and brought the five talents, saying, Master, Master, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You, have been, you were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of the master. Also, the one who had received two talents came up and said, Master, you have entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with few, and I will put you in charge of many. And the one who had one talent said, Master, I knew you you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you 
scattered no seed. I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked slave, you knew that I would reap where I did not sow and where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put the money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back. Therefore, take away one talent from him and give him... Give it to the one who had ten talents. For everyone who has more, more shall be given, and he will have abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. So stewardship. Most of the time, stewardship is seen as something that is financial. Whenever I've heard stewardship, it's like, it's about money. And so in my mind, stewardship equals money. However, I was on this journey. I was reading God's Generals. It's about a whole bunch of revivalists, and it just tells their life story. And as I was reading this, I was just confronted with what these revivalists did with what was in front of them. And it wasn't money. I remember the one that stood out to me the most was Charles Finney. And he was so hungry after God. He went out into the woods, and he was like, God, if I don't settle my salvation... I won't leave this place until I settle my salvation. And so he just stayed there and until he knew he had received a touch from God. And from there he went and began to ministering into his um, law firm, which is where he was working. And so that brought me to this like question, God, what am I doing with a touch that you have given me? Because actually stewarding is more than just finances. It's actually every area of your life. Even down to a touch from God, what are you doing? The last time God, you had a dramatic encounter with God, what did you do with it? Because many times I found I'd get touched by God and then I just, okay, carry on. Like nothing changed. My life's still the same. I haven't done anything with it. And I realized that it's actually a, some, uh, an issue of stewardship and it, what am I doing with what God has given me? If God touches you, what are you doing with that touch from God? If He gives you a word, what are you going to do with the word that He gives you? Because actually a place where you receive increase. Because when you steward, it's like the farmer. A farmer will go out and sow. He will always reap. Always. He knows what to do. He knows that when he does what is in front of him really well, he's going to receive the crops for the next year. So therefore... As we walk in our lives, we should come with the perception of, okay, when I do what's in front of me really well, there is going to be increase in promotion. How many of us aimed to be where we are right now? To be in the jobs that we are in, to be doing all the things that we are, like, to get to the place, for us to get to Bethel, did we plan that? No. To be, to be a pastor, did you plan to do that? All you did was say yes when God opened doors and said no when you felt God said don't do that. It was just a simple process of doing what was in front of you really well. And so it's, that, it's literally that simple. Stewardship is saying yes when God says yes and saying no when God says no and walking a life of okay God what are you doing 
and doing that. I want to propose to you that you can't handle the destiny that God has for you if you don't know how to steward well. Because this process is actually not a waiting room. And many times we sit around thinking, oh God, when are you going to open the doors? When are you going to do this? It's actually a, a, a room of preparation and it's a training ground. And it's actually God's grace that allows you to stay in the place until you learn what you need to learn. Because the way that we handle process will either thrust us into our destiny or will cause us to go and do it again. There are keys given to each and every one of us when we learn to steward what's in front of us really well. I remember that an area of our lives that we learned to steward well was our relationship. We went through a mighty big process of what it was like to date one another and getting in trouble by leadership and doing all the wrong stuff. But we learned to do out the process well. And when we did that, it actually opened up areas of our lives to speak into other people's lives in relationships and be like, hey, you guys should do this. And it was actually coming from a place of learning to steward that area of our lives really well. And then it actually opened up doors for other people's lives to have breakthrough in it. And so I want to just charge you guys also that the people around you depend on you to steward what's in front of you really well. Because each one of your destinies is interlinked. We are a body. Everything is connected. The breakthrough that Eric and Shelley get in Revelation will be your breakthrough to receive revelation. The breakthrough that certain people get in finances, when they steward that well, it actually unlocks something for the rest of the body to step into. And so it's act like, stewardship can sometimes be like, oh, this is my own walk and I'm doing my own Christian thing. And it's like, but it's not. It's actually a corporate thing. And when you receive the personal victory, you re- um, the corporate body gets a breakthrough. Um, I, I decided to look up what stewarding was. Fancy that. Um, and as I was looking it up, this is what the Blue Letter Bible came up with. It is a manager of household affairs, especially a steward, manager, su- superintendent, whether born, freeborn or was usually the case, a freedman or a slave, to whom the head of the house or proprietor had entrusted the management of his affairs, the care of his receipts and expenditures, expenditures, and the duty of dealing out the proper portion to every servant and even to the children, yet not of age. And that's why I said that last statement, because it's your, your spiritual maturity in a certain area of your life, for example, in finances, is actually the breakthrough that the people who haven't reached the maturity in that area to have their breakthrough. It pulls people up to a greater level where they would never been able to reach before. There is increase in stewardship. There is always increase. When, you sh- when the farmer sows, 
something grows. Funny little rhyme. When the farmer grows, something, when the farmer sows, something grows. And there is fruit. Fruit is something that we can eat from. When you stew it, it, it brings about something in your life that you can actually pull off to nourish yourself. But it also brings about faith because you see the faithfulness of God in previous experiences of your life. The farmer knows that crops are going to grow because he saw it last harvest where the rains came and everything happened. He knew that was going to happen because he had done it before. When you steward what's in front of you really well, you get to see the hand of God in your life move in powerful ways. But then when you're in seasons where there is like drought and you're you're pushing through and you're like, God, I'm just going to do what you said. I'm just going to do the last thing that you said really well. You can look back to the victories that God has given you in those areas and be like, you know what? God came through there and therefore I can keep saying yes to the areas that God is saying yes to and no to the areas where God's saying no. It also helps you to see that, see things in God's perspective. It makes situations easier because you see them through God's eyes and not through your own eyes. We've actually learned to flourish in the, stu- in the, in the cave, so to speak. And if you didn't know that reference, that's to David in the cave and this little depressed moment. Um, we learn to flourish in that area because it's actually, that's the place where we grow the most. It's normally not in the great times that we're growing. Like we get all this good stuff during those great times and it's great. But it's during the hard seasons that you pull your roots in deep and it's where you stretch out. And it's like, okay, this is where I'm doing really well in and this is where I need to, where you get to see the, okay, I need to chop back that right there or God comes and goes you need to chop that right there avoiding the process is avoiding being prepared for your promotion so you never want to skip around it and you normally find you'll stay there until you learn it just going to quickly go to 1 Samuel 16 6-7 This is a common scripture. A lot of us know it. And I'll start at verse 6 and finish at verse 7. When they entered, he looked at Elab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his height or his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. can't remember why I put that scripture in there. It's great. Okay. So David's story. Now, I just want to give you guys a think right now. Just take a moment and think of all of David's story for those of you who know it. In our minds, David's story makes total sense. But we forget that it's only because we read the entire story that his story makes sense. David's process of his entire life to go and tend for the sheep and being attacked by lions and bears to kill a giant, to become king and then be chased and murdered and 
His entire life story only makes sense because we read the entire story. His process was actually ridiculous. That just gives us, it lets us see, you know, it's not just us. It's not just our process that's crazy and ridiculous. David's process was crazy and ridiculous. Yet he was thrusted, he did what was in front of him really well, and he was thrusted into his destiny of being the king of Israel. It's our response in the process that matters. What is the position of your heart? The good thing about being in the process is that you don't need to have a line of sight or know all the details. So you can take the pressure off. You don't need to know what's going to happen next. You don't need to know where, like, you don't need necessarily know where you're going. Yes, there are seasons where God opens up he- heaven and says, this is what you're going to do, and this is what you're going to be in 10 years' time. But for most of us, that isn't the case. Take the pressure off. Just do what's in front of you well. So how do we do this? I found that a key to this, to, to living a well-stewarded life, and I don't have it down, please. Like, that is, I'm still learning this in many areas of my life. But a key for this is thankfulness. Having a heart of constant thanksgiving and just be, reminding ourselves of what God has done helps us to steward every step of um, our lives really well. Yeah, so before I hand the mic to Erica, I just want to encourage you guys that you don't need to necessarily know where you're going. It's great to dream and it's to, and to have like a dreaming culture to be like, yes, this is where I want to be in 10 years' time. But... The Christian life is normally just doing what's in front of you well. It is being in constant communion with God and hearing His voice on situations. It is being in that fellowship. And it's when we have that intimacy with Him, it makes those choices in the moment really easy. So yeah, I just want to bless you guys. I'm a little bit louder than Andreas, so you might have to turn it down a bit. <laughs> Do you want to take notes? Thank you. That was awesome. I'm just going to tag along with what he said. I'm sure you weren't expecting to get two sermons tonight, but you are. So, hooray. Hooray for that. I told him if he wanted to take up all the time that it wouldn't bother me, but apparently he didn't. So, that's okay. I'm prepared. I just want to tag along and change the subject a little bit, but before I do... One part of steward, stewardship and stewarding life really well that I think is incredibly important and crucial to success is our thought life and the way that we steward our thoughts and the way that we steward our thinking. And I owe this revelation to uh, Vicki Richardson, who is an administration woman at Bethel, but she came in and she was talking to us about stewarding and administration. And she talked about the story of the talents and she said, Something that's very that we often miss is that the hold on because his verse said slave version said slave but mine said something different servant mine says servant 
So the, the servant who only was given one talent, he had just as much opportunity as the rest of the servants. But the issue, one issue, this was her interpretation, which I really liked a lot, is that he didn't actually know the master very well. Because it, it says um, in verse Matthew 25, verse 24, it says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. Where you scatter seed. I don't know. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent. And so it, the, this servant actually had the perception that the master was evil, that he was mean, that he was a punishing master, that he, he treated people so that they would be motivated by fear. But you can tell by the other servants that they didn't have that mentality. They, they believed that the master was good and that he was going to give them really good rewards. And so that, I specifically wanted to point that part out because it goes with what I am talking about. But I just think it's incredibly relevant. What we believe about God and what we believe about the people around us and ourselves and their circumstances around us will affect our success in life. I don't know which direction to go. Just so you know, I'm pretty tired tonight. So hopefully you have grace for that. So I think we'll go to... Second, First Corinthians, hold on, let me find it here. Second Corinthians 10, and it's specifically verse 4 and 5. And it says, For the weapons of our warf- warfare are not flesh and bl- flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And so there are two specific parts of thoughts that I wanted to address tonight. And the first is, um, well, the, one of them, I don't know if it's first or second. One of them is something that I can't think of. So just give me a second. Okay. The way that we handle temptation when it, when it comes into our mind. And then the other is the beliefs that we already have and how we deal with that. And so I don't know which one I'm going to talk about, but I'm just going to talk about this verse really fast. In verse 5, it says, we destroy arguments. And arguments that go on in our, hat, in our heads, so sorry about my tongue-tiedness, but are what-ifs. They're the what-if-this or what-if-that or regrets, shoulds, things that could have been, things that, that should have been. And those are things that actually raise themselves against the knowledge of God. So the shoulda, coulda, wouldas are actually, can actually be negative against our relationship and what we believe about God. And then every lofty opinion, the lofty opinions are the molehills that are created into mountains. So the things that are actually insignificant in comparison to the power of God that we make a really big deal. The things that are like, I mean, it's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay for gas this week. And we make this really big deal about it when it's actually God is provider, and that is the ultimate truth, and the fact that he loves us, and that he's good, and that he's going to come through, that is the big mountain compared to the tiny thought of that not happening. So those are two, two thoughts, patterns, and strongholds in our thinking that we have to come against. The what-ifs and the small things that we make really big. And sometimes it, it's actually demonic influence that makes those things bigger than God, not necessarily just just our own thinking. 
Okay, so I don't know for sure which direction I want to go. So if you just give me a second. Okay, so I just want to tell you an experience that I had this week about the temptations that can come. So my dad passed away last Thursday, and we had no sleep the night that night, and then we got on the plane, and we came home, and I was really tired. And because of that, I was like, laying in bed. I can't, I don't know what time it was. I don't know if it was when I was going to sleep or waking up or in the middle of the night. I can't remember, but I was having all these impure thoughts come at me and I haven't struggled with impurity in a really long time, very, very long time. And so I instantly knew this is not me. This is coming from somewhere else. And I knew that it was temptation. And so I just went, no, I'm not going to think those thoughts. That's not who I am. And I'm going to think about the goodness of God and I turn on worship music because I was too tired to really do anything else. But that is one tool that, that Andreas and I both use. Um, we, if we have, it's especially at night, but if there is like, I struggle with fear a lot. That's probably one of the biggest things that comes at me. But if I'm having irrational fear, like one night I thought I heard something and I swore someone was breaking in and it was just completely irrational. All the doors were locked and it was like a really small sound, so it couldn't have been a person. But when things like that happen, we turn on worship music because it, it immediately brings our thoughts and our minds and our spirits back into alignment with God and his goodness and setting our affection and our attention on him. So that's when, it's, when it comes to temptation, when, when you know it's not actually you. Because by the way, we are righteous. We are created righteous. And so those things actually aren't ours. If we're saved and, and we have a relationship with God— any temptation is actually not ours to own. So we can say no to them. We can say, no, I'm actually not going to think that. But we also have to, we also have to set our attention on what we are going to think about. So I think in the past week, I was like, no, I'm not going to think impure thoughts. I'm going to think holy and righteous thoughts. And then I turn on the worship music. So you don't only say no, but you do put your attention on what you are going to think about. Because if you just focus on what you're not supposed to think about, that it just perpetuates and that's not a good thing. And so whenever you have to change your attention and change your thoughts and change your mind to what you are going to think about. And then the other thing that I said was our actual beliefs. So that's a totally different situation. Then those are thoughts that are actually coming from what we believe. So let me think if I can think of an illustration. Okay, well, if I don't, I have this, and it's really good. So I was, we were having a conversation with our, <laughs> with our pastor. <laughs> my, my brain is a little bit slow, but it's okay. I'm an external processor, too, so you all know exactly what's going on in my head right now. But anyways, <laughs> um, we were having a conversation with our pastor, and we, we are about to finish second year in school, and we're applying. I just applied for third year and Andres is in the process and I was freaking out. I was like, I don't know who I want to intern for and I don't know who to choose and total fear, total anxiety, just not God. But the reality is that I'm probably going to make this up. I, I don't actually know if I came to a conclusion of why. Well, okay, this is the reality. Okay, I came to it. There it is. I found it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> The truth is I had fear because I didn't trust God. That's the truth. I was wondering and I was like, well, what if they reject me? What if I have to find someone else? And it's because I didn't trust God. I didn't trust that he had the perfect internship for me and that I was going to be in the perfect situation. I had fear and that's the reality. And 
and part of this was I had this thing come up, and I'm not going to go into too much detail, but and it had nothing to do with this church, just so you know. But there was a situation when I was a teenager, and something happened, and I was encountering God. Like I said, it had nothing to do with this church. So just so you know, don't start wondering. But I had this encounter with God, and people actually misinterpreted it as a demonic manifestation. And I was traumatized, and I didn't even realize it. And I thought I had already dealt with it, but then we had this um, proposal set before us about choosing the narrow road and choosing the road of life instead of the well-traveled road that doesn't lead to life. And I was like, I am freaking out. I know it's right to choose a narrow road, but I am so scared right now, and I cannot figure out why I was so scared. But then Holy Spirit reminded me of the situation, and I had associated choosing God and, and encountering him with being misunderstood. And it, I believed that for a really long time until last week. And so we were having conversation with our revival group pastor about it. And he, I'm not going to go into all the details, but he gave us this really good tool that I, I think is really powerful to deal with what we believe. That was a long story to get to this point. (laughs) But he said, Oftentimes we can have bad thoughts, like I said previously, but there's a difference between beliefs and temptations. So we can have beliefs and then have thoughts come up and be like, oh, that's not right, and then stuff them down immediately. But what I'm proposing to you is that sometimes those thoughts actually come up because we're not believing truth. And so he, he taught us that if that is the case and stuff comes up, instead of just stuffing it down to actually come back into a place of identity with God. So mine was specifically from a place of fear to come before God and say, God, this is the lie. This is, these are, this is the fear that I'm dealing with, but in total peace and total identity, this is the fear that I'm dealing with. How do you see this? What do you think about this? And then I'm sure he gave me an answer along the lines of, I can't remember right now, but even if you're misunderstood, I know that it was me. I know that you chose me and I know that you encounter me. And this was another thing that our pastor was telling us is that we like, so he was suggesting that potentially I was making decisions to bear fruit. So I wasn't misunderstood, which is obviously not the right um, intention. So he was like, we bear fruit naturally and people can look at our lives and see the fruit. But if that's our main goal, then that's not God. (laughs) that's us controlling our lives. And that's not right. And so he was like, so I brought this before God and I was like, God, what do you think about this? And he was like, if you, I'm making it up because I can't remember, but something like truth. (laughs) If you have intimacy with me and you encounter me, naturally there will be fruit in your life that, that people know that it was me. And so I'm going to give another example if I can think of one. Let's say, for instance, anyways, this is raw and real, but hopefully no one minds. So (laughs) my dad passed away and it was health related and everything. And so some of the fear that tried to come on me was, oh my gosh, if I don't get this health thing figured out right now, I could die young. That was like the first lie that came up. And I was like, oh, that's really real. And that's really raw. And so I went, I'm not going to stuff that down because that's obviously, I mean, I didn't deal with it immediately either because I couldn't, I was too exhausted, but I, I brought that fear before God and I said, God, this is, this is what came up. What do you think about that? 
And he thinks about that. What he thinks about that is that when I steward my life well, when I steward my health well, when I honor my parents, I will live a long life. And so that is the truth. And even though I don't have all my health figured out and I don't exercise as often as I should, <laughs> I will and I'll get it figured out. And in the meantime, he's, God is still pleased with me and he's still for me and he's still for me having a long life. So Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And that's the reality. I am really tired today, and I think that's allowed. But in the midst of all of this chaos and this crisis, I've been able to really rely on God because I trust him. I trust him for my family. I trust him for myself. I trust him for my future. And because I keep putting my mind on him, I keep setting my affection and my attention towards him. And is there pain? Yes. And is there hurt? Yes. And will it be a process? Yes. But today, right now, right this second, I can stand before you because I'm keeping my mind on him. And he keeps me in perfect peace because I trust in him. I have two more scriptures. Let me see if I can find them. Okay, this is another thing that I have to say about this, specifically dealing with beliefs that are not God, rather than the saying no to temptation. What was it? I already lost it. (laughs) Dang it. Okay, being honest. Uh, We had someone come in and speak to our revival group, and his dad had passed away. I can't remember the story, but some advice that someone gave to him was, the best advice I can give to you is keep talking to God. Be honest with him. He can handle it. And that is the reality. God can handle it. We, I don't, I mean, for me, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine to be real and raw with God. And if there's anger in there, he can hash it out with you. And so, but the most important part is to be honest and to be real and raw with him. And like in, in that, there are certain people that you can do that with. And then other, and in other cases, there's certain people that you need to guard, guard your heart. If there's real and raw stuff going on, not everyone can handle it. So my caution would be, yes, be really honest with God and be careful about who you share it with. <laughs> Maybe down the track they'll understand. So this is my scripture for that point. Psalms 42, 5. And this is David. I don't know context, sorry. But it's awesome. Why are you... Cla- cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And so David was honest in the Psalms. Like, if you are in emotional chaos and trauma right now, I recommend to read through the Psalms. He was really real and honest, and he would be like, my bones are whittling away because of all my tears, but God, you are awesome, and you have a future for me. And even though he could be honest with how he was feeling, he could, it always ended on, but God, you, you are my hope. You are my trust. My strength is found in you. And so being honest is really crucial. And I have one more scripture and I will read it to you. If you would like to turn there, I will not give you time, but you're welcome to. <laughs> Philippians 4, um, 6 through 9. <sighs> Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is... Wait, I'm going to stop. Okay. I just had this thought. It does not make sense to me. I, I literally don't understand why my, ba- my dad passed away last week. I mean, I know the science behind it, but it's like, why last week? Why not after Sean and Sarah were already married? But I don't have an answer to that. And I'm not going to be offended with God about it. And I'm not going to let the questions in my heart override the truths that I know about God. Because the reality is that he is good. And he has a really good future for my brother and sister. (laughs) And they are surrounded by fathers who will pour into them and mentor them. And that is the truth that I know. That they will be awesome and they will make it through. So, even though I don't understand, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And so those are a few of the things that I have to say. If there's temptations coming, say no and tell, and, and then focus on what you're going to focus on. And our tool is putting on worship. My ears like just unpopped, but anyways. And then if there are beliefs and, and untruths that you're believing about God... Be honest, trust in him, and focus on what is said in that verse in Philippians. Thank you. Come on up here, Andreas. We just, I just want to, just real quickly, want to, I want to kind of, here's what we know. Here's what we know tonight. He talked about stewardship. He talked about being doing what is in front of you well. And then, although she says it was part of a separate sermon, but it really wasn't because the stewardship that he talked about was being grateful, being thankful. And stewardship is more, is is that, but it also flows over into what Erica was talking about with the thought life. The stewardship should flow out of thankfulness and gratitude to the Lord. But it's our thought life. So what happens is, in, as we steward our thought life, we also steward our belief system. We'll say, I'll take that and believe that, and it may be a lie. And then we'll say, we'll take that truth, and it's, it's a truth. And we'll say, well, it doesn't line up with what I was taught years ago, so I throw that out, and I bring something in that I feel like needs to be brought in, or the way that so-and-so had told me in the past, and not been able to really steward my relationship with the Lord of being thankful, being grateful, and the thought lives and the belief system, okay? And I know Pastor Virginia recently, you know, preached on, you know, right, right, right believing is right living. That, you, you know, when you get the right belief system, then you will live right. And to me, that is a stewardship issue also. The other stewardship issue that she, was, that she actually addressed that a lot of us may have missed is be honest with God. I mean, what are you going to do, lie to him? I mean, come on. I mean, that's, you know, it's like, geez, you know, you know, you know, like he doesn't know. But being able to be honest, and I think this is some of the hardest things that when 
we as a family, as a church family, all right, even in his immediate Living Word Fellowship family, go through the losses of individuals that we've gone through in the last six months, let alone the accident, the pain, and the suffering that's there, and other things that have taken place, a lot of times we're not being honest with God. And, and He wants us to be honest with Him. And we're not also, sometimes we're not being honest with the people. We don't know what to say. So a lot of times, you know, I was like, why did I say that? It's like, how are you today? I'm like, oh, gosh. What do you mean, how are you today? You're hurting, you're in pain, and you're, you know, but sometimes we do that. But I think this, it all encompasses under the stewardship message, okay? So what I, what I want you to know is that I can see the components of stewardship. I can see being grateful, being thankful, being good stewards in my thought life, my belief system, and also being honest with the Lord. Would you agree with that? So here's what I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to start letting this message permeate within you. And say, it's not about condemnation, but it's about you looking and say, what can I do a better job? I think I can steward this better. If I believe a lie that I'm no longer going to have hope or joy, that's not what the Word says. Okay, So bring everything else up. And it talks about bringing it up against Christ in Corinthians 10, 3, 5, and 6. 3, 4, 5, and 6 is to take those thought captives and make them obedient to what? To Christ. Not my belief system, but His belief system. And that's the Word of God. Amen? Will you guys stand and just kind of... I just want you just to... Uh, I'm going to have you guys come on over and just hold hands. Um, I just want you just to stand and just put your hands towards the altar tonight as, as I just want to bless this couple here tonight. Father, your Word goes forth and does what it's planned and purposed to do. I thank you that it is hitting on target right now those that even know that they need to steward their life in probably a, a different way. Give them courage to steward. Give them discipline to steward. Let us be totally honest with you, God, and say, you know, I don't know how to do this, but God, you do. You do. So, Father, I'm asking you to release your comfort. I'm asking you to release your grace. I'm asking you to release your goodness. I'm asking you to release your courage, your strength, your honor, your joy. Right now, your faith upon our lives as we receive this right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise for Erica, Andre, and we bless you. We bless you guys. Now, you're here tonight and you want some prayer. We want to be able to pray for you. So we're going to take a few minutes. We're going to dismiss. But if you need prayer tonight, shake somebody's hands, meet and greet one another tonight on your way out. We bless you. Go forth in the power of God. Amen. Talk to you soon. God bless. Is a sea.